Welcome to my podcast and thanks for listening. Well, last week, my traveling companion, Bev, and I shared some great memories about a trip we took in the spring to Thessaloniki, Greece. And Bev, today, after the biggest and first snowfall of the year, I think it might be a good idea to share some of our memories of Greece's capital and largest city, Athens. I would love to. So this episode is entitled, Athens, Greece. That Parthenon is amazing, but there's way more to discover. Athens is on the southern coast of Greece, just a short 55-minute flight from Thessaloniki. And you know, you can't really blame anyone for just thinking of the Acropolis when they think of Athens. But once again, we were totally surprised by how much more this city has to offer than just the ancient ruins. Athens has had some really difficult decades, uh, financial collapse, and then the COVID crisis, and both of these really hampered the economy and growth, but I think it also caused the city to reinvent itself. And Athens is now just a lovely contrast of those thousands of years old structures and a somewhat edgy, forward-thinking modernity with high-end fashion, eclectic art, locally sourced gourmet food, education, and a focus on business. The metropolitan area holds about 4.2 million people, but the city of Athens itself has about 700,000. And of course, there's that almost 3,000 years of history that some people devote their entire lives to studying. So, Bab, I think all we can do here is give a few tips that might help the first-time traveler get the most out of their visit. Yes, I don't think that we are historians or archaeologists. (laughs) What general tips would you give the first-time traveler? Well, one of the first questions when planning a trip to a new city is, where should we stay? If you are like us, you will scour guidebooks, tourism sites, blogs, and eventually decide what best suits your needs and interests. Athens has a great number of neighborhoods to choose from, the central core of Sindagma, Montesteraki, and Plaka is the heart of the tourist area and has many large business class hotels. The Pasiri district is lively and close to the main sites. We chose the Kolonaki neighborhood, which sits between Sindagma and Likavitas Hill. It is out of the major tourist zone, but within walking distance to the historical sites, and it has easy metro access and great restaurants. We were really happy with our choice. Mm-hmm. And what's another tip? Another tip? Well, I think you need to get a lay of the land. And we, what we did was on our first day, we took a self-guided walk with some assistance from our guidebooks around the heart of the city. Not only did this take us past some of the great sites, it also gave us a feel for the area and helped with our plan for the whole week. And I would just add to that, and I know it's kind of old fashioned and we always do use our whatever GPS systems, but a hard copy map came in handy. Yes, very much so as we went walking. Would you like to hear where we went? Oh, definitely, please. We left our hotel walking through Kolonaki. Kolonaki is home to a number of historic buildings, most notably the 
Athenian tr trilogy encompassing the University of Athens, the Greek National Academy of Athens, and the National Library. These buildings were commissioned by King Otto and built in the late 1800s. Close by in Syntagma is the Hellenic Parliament Building, which is the former palace of King Otto. It's a neoclassical building, very nice to look at, not nearly of the grandeur of, say, the Parliament buildings in Budapest, Hungary. <laughs> but, but we enjoyed gazing upon it. And in front of the building is the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, a simple marble slab with a cross behind which an image of a fallen warrior is carved into the wall. The tomb is guarded by the Evzone guards. These guards are clad in traditional uniforms and heavy shoes adorned with huge pom-poms. At the top of each hour, a ceremonial changing of the guards is performed. Their slow motion, high-stepping gait is quite interesting and quite amusing to watch. We, we tried. But... <laughs> yeah, we tried and I'm glad there were no pictures of it. I understand those um, kind of pom-poms on their shoes weigh about something like three kilograms or something. Yeah, it, it's quite amazing because they do lift their legs straight up to waist level. Yeah, and I understand they, um, they're just an overall representation of Greece's uh, strength and bravery and courage and freedom. Yeah, excellent. Crossing the street, we pass through Syntagma Square, which is seen as the heart of the Greek nation. It contains a wide variety of trees and fountains and feels like an oasis in the midst of the busy area. The squares where the Greek people gather to speak their minds for national celebrations or any demonstration. Each time we passed by, there were excellent entertainers busking in the square. We then walked down the pedestrianized Ermu Street. This street is lined by high-end shops, including a large number of shoe stores where <laughs> where Debbie and I could have spent many euros if there had been many in the luggage. <laughs> there were also numerous buskers and street food vendors. Walking down Irmu Street, we walked directly up to the church of Panagia Kapnikaria because it sits right in the middle of the road. <laughs> this classic, classic Orthodox church is one of the oldest churches in Athens, built around 1000 AD. Around the corner, we pass the Metropolitan Cathedral of Athens, which is the official church of Greece and the headquarters of Archbishop, the Archbishop, as well as a couple of smaller interesting churches. From there, we walk down Adrianu Street in the Plaka neighborhood. This area sits at the foot of the Acropolis and is the tourism center of Athens. It has some old world ambiance, but is very touristic with streets lined with souvenir shops <laughs> tourist cafes and tavernas and sandals of any kind <laughs> and size yes <laughs> we took a side trip to see the arch of hadrian and the temple of olympian zoon that we will touch on later we then traveled along the base of the acropolis through the anathiotika neighborhood and back to plaka and monasteraki home to many of the ancient sites that we will discuss in a few moments Agora Square is the touristic epicenter of the Plaka, and it was filled with tourists as we passed through quickly. To the left of the square sits the remains of the Library of Hadrian, which was created by Roman Emperor Hadrian in 132 AD. 
North of the Monastiraki, we walked through the quirky area of Pasiri, where locals still outnumber the tourists. Many of the area's dilapidated buildings echo its recent history as a hotbed of poets, musicians, revolutionaries, and troublemakers. But it was gentrified prior to the 20, 2004 Olympic Games, and it's now host to Athens' trendiest bars, restaurants, and nightlife. Mm -hmm. This walk took us most of the day, but it gave us such a good feel for the heart of the city. That was a really good uh, overview of the touring walk um, that we did, and um, I highly recommend that. Uh, did you have any other tips, Bev? Oh, goodness, let me think. Um, as we usually do when we get to a new city, we did... Um, have a driver meet us at the airport and it's just such a comfortable way to get to your hotel and definitely if there are four of you traveling together it's certainly I think the best way to get to your mm -hmm. hotel without feeling stressed. Right. I had a couple of other little tips that came to mind maybe not so much tips as uh, things to know about uh, Athens are about Greece and um, we noticed that all the signposts are in at least two different spellings plus the Greek yes. version so uh, don't be surprised if you're looking for a street but it's got a different spelling but kind of looks like what you're looking for and then there's some uh, a Greek version as well so you're probably in the right place exactly yes um, and I know Bev you'll probably be talking about the heat uh, later when you talk about the Acropolis but even outside the Acropolis, it can get really hot in Athens. So uh, sunscreen and lots of water for sure. Um, yeah, check out which um, credit cards are used because one of our commonly uh, used credit cards here uh, wasn't so common there. So just uh, do a check. And Beth, yeah, do you remember? Always good to, oh, sorry, Deb. I was just gonna say, it's always good to have a backup credit card no matter <laughs> where you're traveling. Exactly. And Bev, do you remember the tip about the toilet paper? Ah, uh, yes, yes. In many of the the um, restrooms and hotels, they ask you to put the toilet paper in the bucket, closed covered bucket next to the toilet rather than flushing it. And this is because their their drain pipes are narrower than mm -hmm. what we're used to. Yeah, and like I say, don't worry, you'll get used to it. Exactly. Yeah. So, um. I mentioned that there's just so much to see in Athens, um, but first let's talk about the Acropolis, Bev, and uh, you did a great job of navigating that for us, so tell us about it. Well, naturally, when you think of Athens, the Acropolis is top of mind. The importance of this high city and the contributions to modern civilization are almost overwhelming. I actually didn't think I would find it so awe-inspiring till we were there, but standing amidst it, mm. it really struck me as one of the experiences I am most thankful for in our many travels. Not surprisingly, the Acropolis is one of the busiest tourist attractions in the world. We read that as many as 6,000 cruise passengers can visit the site in a single morning. Mm. So we scoured websites and guidebooks to come up with the best strategy to avoid as much of the chaos as possible. We entered through the south entrance. This one is apparently more often less crowded than the west entrance and actually gives you, I think, a better path up the hill. Mm -hmm. You can purchase your tickets from the machines at the entrance gate. 
And they advise that the best time to visit is either first thing in the morning, prior to 9 a.m. before the crowds arrive, or after 5.30 p.m. when the crowds have left. We visited in the late afternoon, arriving at approximately 5.30 p.m. The site was open until 8 p.m., so this afforded us plenty of time. This strategy worked and we were so pleased that there were no huge crowds to contend with. Also, later in the day, it isn't as hot. And as Deb mentioned, it can get very hot. And when you're on the Acropolis, there is no place to hide from the sun. No, so, no matter where you're going, as, as you said, a hat, sunscreen and water are essential. The Acropolis Rock sits high above the city and perched on top are some 20 temples and ruins dating to the 5th century BC. As you walk up the winding path from the south entrance, you come to the Theatre of Dionysus. It is credited with being the prototype for Greek theatres and is where classical Greek plays were first presented. Tiers of stone seats capable of accommodating as many as 17,000 spectators were constructed in the mid-4th century BC. The th theatre continued in use until approximately 500 AD. And it was kind of neat to see that the front row seats were actually <laughs> elaborate thrones with carved legs and armrests, and apparently the name of the spectator for which they were reserved was inscribed on each seat. <laughs> Around the next corner is the Odeon of Herodus Attica, a 5,000-seat amphitheater mm. built between 160 and 174 AD. The original structure was destroyed some hundred years after it was built, and it became another ruin for a great deal of time. But some restoration and rebuilding took place in the late 1800s, and it was fully reconstructed in the 1950s with its grand opening in 1955. Today, it hosts musical, dance, and theatrical performances under the stars. So Bev, I'll just interject here for a second, because that was one of my uh, favorite stops in the whole Acropolis. Um, just when you're standing looking at the stage part, you can see the background of Athens and it would just be absolutely amazing to be there on a summer night. And I just remember uh, my husband, your brother, uh, standing there just looking and I just know he was dreaming of the Herbie Hancock jazz performance that was coming up that we were in Greece too early to see. Yeah, it, it would be amazing and certainly is something that could be on the bucket list. At the top of the winding path, you arrive at the Propylaea, the grand entrance to the Acropolis, designed between 437 and 432 BC. It was a huge central building divided into three parts by two rows of ionic columns. Ancient visitors were welcome to the Acropolis with this grand structure, and it continues to do so today. The Eretheion is a two-story temple on the slope of the hill below the Parthenon. It was constructed around 410 BC in an elegant Ionic style to house the ancient wooden statue of Athena herself and to glorify the great city at the height of its power and influence. And it's very well preserved. And then you come to the Parthenon, the temple that dominates the hill of the Acropolis. It was built in the mid-5th century BC and completed in less than a decade. 
dedicated to the Greek goddess Athena Parthenos. The temple covers more than 23,000 square feet. Although it has suffered damage over the centuries, including the loss of most of its sculpture, its basic structure has remained intact. The scaffolding, cranes, and modern construction materials that are present today are part of an ongoing reconstruction project. This involves a massive process of cataloging every single stone and putting it back together. Archaeologists are using the original materials wherever possible. And the goal isn't to create a fully restored building, but to allow the ruin as we see it today to continue. And I'll just finish by saying just standing up there really is a wonderful experience. Yeah, I would add that, you know, I'm definitely not one for, I guess, what we would call tourist locations and certainly not one for paying admission. Um, but, you know, you're standing there, like you say, and the only way I can describe it is you're in the presence of greatness. And it was just one of those moments that um, I will never forget in my life. And one thing that I really marveled at was, you know, how many thousands of years ago is this structure built? And, you know, today we have all this technology and everything. And I just think back to... Um, how smart they were with rudimentary tools and everything and they put this amazing structure together and it really was just um, awe-inspiring. Yes, and at the top of a hill, I, oh, would not have been easy. Unbelievable. But Beth, the Acropolis is just one of the ancient sites or ruins in Athens, isn't it? It is. There are many and I can tell you about just a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, as I mentioned, at the edge of the Placas is the Arch of Hadrian and the Temple of Olympian Zeus. The arch, a classic Roman triumphal arch, is 18 meters high, 12 and a half meters wide, and 2.3 meters in depth. It was built in 131 AD as part of the wall separating the old and new cities of Athens. And it's kind of interesting, on the west side an inscription reads, This is Athens, the ancient city of Theseus. Well, on the east side, a similar inscription reads, this is the city of Hadrian and not of Theseus. Oh, (laughs) I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) The Temple of Olympian Zeus was built over several centuries, starting in 174 BC. It originally had 104 11-meter-tall columns, and the sheer size made it the, the temple one of the largest ever built in the ancient world. Only 15 of those columns remain standing, and currently there is extensive structural reinforcement and conservation being performed on the uh, temple. Another of a number of other ancient archaeological sites can be found in the Plaka and Monastiraki area. The Roman Forum was constructed when the Romans conquered Athens in 86 BC, and it was the commercial center of Roman Athens. Today, the excavations of the ruins can be viewed well from the hillside next to it. But if you want a closer look, tickets to enter are available. Of interest, the octagonal 12-meter-tall Tower of Winds stands intact at the end of the Forum. Built in the first century, this tower was an ingenious combination of clock, weather station, and a guide to the planets. A weather vane and sundials indicated the prevailing winds as well as the time. Water flowing down from the Acropolis powered the hands of a clock, showing 
not only the time, but the day of the year and the month, the zodiac. I mean, practically as much information yeah. as we get on our iPhones today. Exactly. For 9,000 years, from 600 BC to 300 AD, the ancient Agora was where the people gathered to shop, to pass laws, to worship the gods, and to be entertained. This large area is now mostly a few field of humble ruins, and you are able to purchase a ticket to wander about <laughs> if you wish. One site that we just happened upon when leaving Kolonaki one day was the archaeological site of the Roman Baths. Located inside the National Gardens and along Amalias Avenue, the baths were built at the end of the 3rd century AD. But recent excavations demonstrate that the area was first inhabited in prehistoric times as an important place of worship. The bathhouse was discovered during excavations for the construction of an air shaft for the Athens Metro. The air shaft was moved farther south so that the finds could be preserved in their original location. We also passed by the Karamikios ancient cemetery, the cemetery of ancient Athens. Excavations there began in 1870, and archaeologists have found columns of temples, marble statues, remains of public buildings, funeral offerings, and thousands of tombs. During the construction of the, the adjacent metro station, 1,000 more tombs were found dating from the 5th and 4th century BC. So I think as you can imagine, it can certainly be difficult to build an underground metro in this city. <laughs> yeah, oh, there's one last ancient site I forgot okay. um, that was interesting to visit was the Panathena Panathenaic Stadium. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's located on the site of an ancient stadium that was built in 144 AD with a capacity of 50,000 seats. After the fourth century, it was largely abandoned, but in 1869, it was excavated to host the Zappos Olympics of 1870 and 1875. It was then further refurbished to host the opening and closing ceremonies of the first modern Olympics in 1896 and was the venue for four of the nine contested sports. Once again, it became an Olympic venue in 2004, when it served as the finishing point for the marathon. It is also the last venue in Greece from where the Olympic flame mm -hmm. handover ceremony to the host nation takes place. Finally, it's the only stadium in the world built entirely of marble and currently seats about 45,000. Yeah, being a lover of the Olympics, uh, that was also one of my favorite sites. So there's just ancient sites and ruins all over, and um, Athens is just the perfect place for a lover of um, Western civilization history. You could just spend, I don't know, a lifetime looking at the ruins and such. And we kind of joked when we were walking around that, um, you know, if there was a new construction site, a new building going up and they were digging in the ground, we could just see everything would be called to a halt if they happened to hit some structure deep underground that uh, could be an ancient site. Exactly. But aside from the Acropolis and ancient ruins that dot the city, there's so much more to see in Athens. So let's split this up, Beth, as we talk about some of our favorite memories. And you just know that I'll start with one of my favorite things, which is street art. Ah, uh, yes. 
One thing I just love about traveling is doing a street art tour of the city, and an entire trip could be dedicated to Athens street art that might cover a full wall, stories high, rubbing shoulders with an ancient ruin. And I think there's different reasons for the street art in Athens.、Um, I read that it has to do with the economic downturn in the early 2000s, unemployed youth, disenfranchised youth. So maybe as a form of protest, or maybe as a form of expression. And did you know, Bev, that、um, somewhere around that point, some people turned Athens the New Berlin because of this? I, and, I, could,、uh, I could see that, although I would say that it's much more artsy in Athens、yes. than in Berlin. <laughs> well, from years ago when we were in Berlin, yeah. And of course, some people took offense to this because Athens has faced much struggle over the years and is very resilient, and it's forging its own identity. Thank you very much. Anyway, where street art might once have been seen as tagging, it's now an accepted art form, and some of it is so good and intricate,、uh, completed by trained artists from local art colleges, that some shop owners actually commission people to decorate the facades of their businesses. Then there are numerous sites online with the best areas and walking tours to see street art. But really, anywhere you walk in the center, you'll just see amazing designs. And another little bit of trivia, Bab. Did you know that the word graffiti comes from the Greek word graphi, meaning to write? I do. So really, yeah. So it really makes sense that、um, Athens is just a mecca for street art. So, Bab, what was one of your favorite Athens adventures? Well, one day we traveled to Piraeus. Piraeus is a port city in suburban Athens. It's located about eight kilometers southwest of the Athens city center. It's Europe's largest passenger port and one of the largest passenger and cargo ports in the world. To get there, we took the Blue Line on the metro, and it was an easy way to take a day trip. The metro stops adjacent to the Piraeus Harbor. This well-protected harbor is the main center for sea travel between Athens and the Greek islands. Consequently, there were many, many, many ferries.、Yeah. The Zea Marina is a circular cove and regarded as one of the best points to access top luxury yachts. Both charter yachts and private vessels filled the harbor, ranging from smaller vessels to the 85-meter-long Optasia. Which twelve close, close friends could charter for a mere eight hundred thousand euros a week, plus exactly.、Expenses. Yeah, we chose not to do that. Yeah, not this trip. We、no. don't know if we have twelve <laughs> close friends. <laughs> We're wandering about in Piraeus. We came upon a great street market. It may be the longest market we have encountered in our European travels. It was a delight to explore all the wonderful fresh things for sale. As、I, under, I understand that that market is、um, the biggest and considered the best in Athens, and we didn't even know that at the time. No, but it was sure a great find. Yeah. As always, we found some lovely churches to visit in Piraeus, from the tiny, tiny chapel of the Neo Martyrs to the grandiose Church of Saint Nicholas of Piraeus and the Holy Trinity Church, both of which had absolutely stunning interiors.、Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we missed the harbor for the fishing boats, the Mikrolimiano Harbor.、Mm-hmm. Quite sure it would have been very picturesque, but 
another time. Yeah, I'll take responsibility for that because I think I was kind of leading us that day and I was really, really disappointed that it was just, you know, a few blocks away from all those um, huge cruise ships. And uh, But like you say, next time we'll be there. Exactly. So what are you thinking of for another great day we had, Deb? Oh, well, one of my favorite parts of Athens which is a little bit awkward to get to, but without the crowds and right underneath your nose is Anophytica. And this is an area right under the Parthenon and kind of difficult to get to. And uh, it's not included on a lot of the maps or anything, but we found it by the south or side entrance off right off the street Strathalus Stratonis. And it's a steep, narrow, winding pathway up the Acropolis wall and through a collection of tiny, traditional, whitewashed Greek houses that are reminiscent of the Greek islands. And there are 45 such houses, each simply numbered one, two, three, etc. And you're free to walk around and take any number of stunning pictures. But just remember, these are private residences, so be discreet. And it's definitely on my next time list to find all 45 houses. <laughs> this was just such a find. What's another memory, Bev? Well, one day we again hopped on the metro for an easy ride and we arrived at what they call the new Olympic site <laughs> or the Olympic Athletic Center of Athens. This is in the modern quarter of Marusi, about 10 kilometers north of the city center. This center hosted the Mediterranean Games in 1991, the World Championships in Athletics in 1997, and most prominently, the Athens Olympic Games in 2004. As you enter the vast grounds, you are greeted by the Agora, a vaulted modular structure of light steel, which runs in an arc along the northern edge of the park. Enclosing a pedestrian arcade of some 18,000 square meters, many families were out enjoying biking, skateboarding, strolling on the sunny Sunday afternoon that we were there. Next, you encounter the Nation Wall, a sculpture made of tubular steel. Designed so that it can move mechanically in a wave-like motion, this sculpture is 250 meters long. It also serves as a giant screen for projections, which would be something to see. The main Olympic Stadium was designed in 1979 and inaugurated in 1982 at the Athletics Championship. The famous roof, designed by the world-known architect Santiago Calatrava, was added for the 2004 Games. The Olympic Aquatic Center was amazing. Mm -hmm. It was completed in 1991, consists of two aquatic complexes, one outdoor and one indoor, and an area of 70 acres. On the weekend that we were there, interestingly, the 35th Acropolis Swim Open was taking place. This event was a qualifying meet for the 2023 <laughs> World Championships and the 2024 Olympic Games. And we were lucky to watch a number of the competitors mm -hmm. training in the sunny outside pool. Didn't we count about five full-length pools? Yes, it, it was just amazing. And I would highly recommend just hopping on the metro and taking a look around the whole park. It was quite interesting. Yeah, that Olympic Park was uh, known for its uh, fancy design. And I must say, I think we've been to a few Olympic parks and I think it was the most elaborate one, but apparently it was also known for quite a cost override at the time <laughs> as well. Mm. 
Well, something kind of way less serious and not necessarily my um, favorite memory, but surprising and fun. And you know that I mentioned that Athens has had to reinvent itself in hard times. Well, one day we were just desperate for coffee, or so we thought. After visiting <laughs> thousand-year-old ruins, yeah, I know, Bev. I'm always desperate for coffee. <laughs> and I looked online for nearby coffee houses and found one called Little Cook Coffee. Well, with that name, we were just so intrigued that we headed in that direction, only to find that the coffee shop was in an area of a couple of city blocks, totally remastered in the Alice in Wonderland theme. And it was bright and colorful and cluttered and loud and with stores and restaurants and characters all looking like they stepped out of Alice in Wonderland. And yes, this was an attempt by Athens to rehabilitate a rundown area. And it's popular with families and it's apparently magical at night when it's all lit up. It is totally in contrast to the ancient ruins. You know, love it or leave it is definitely unique. Yes, what it's us. What do you have next, Beth? Well, I have one last thing that, you know, if you've become tired of the ancient history and ruins and perhaps Kookland is a little kooky for you, but you want some history of some type, you could visit the Hellenic Motor, Motor Museum. This private collection features more than 110 highly polished cars from the 19th and 20th centuries. And the most expensive with the $3 million BMW <laughs> that still requires some uh, refurbishing. It was quite amazing. Mm -hmm. I know the two auto enthusiasts in our group found the whole museum fascinating. And even the others of us found that it was a great way to spend an hour or two. But my favorite car, Bev, was um, from the modern Stone Age family. As you uh, leave, the, <laughs> as you leave the museum, the after looking at all these fancy cars, they've got this uh, old replica of the Flintstones cars uh, made out of rolling stones. And I thought it was just so apropos for a city that's really quite in love with rock structures. Exactly. <laughs> you know, sometimes you need a break when traveling in a big city. And Athens has some beautiful gardens for just that purpose. And we visited a couple, um, just happened to be two of the best. and. One is the National Garden, where you had mentioned uh, that we saw those ruins, or formerly the Royal Garden. It's right in the center behind the Parliament building and across from the site of the old Olympic Games. It dates to about 1838, but has been open to the public since 1920, and it's a real refuge. There are ruins, statues, small lakes, numerous species of exotic plants, such as palm trees and eucalyptus trees, pathways, a petting zoo, children's library, playground, and botanical museum. It's well worth a visit and really handy, especially if you're tired of the crowds of the Acropolis. But my favorite park, Bev, is the Petty and Arius Park on the northern edge of the central area of Athens. And you could say this is where the locals gather. And they consider it their oasis in the city when they need a break. It dates to 1934 and honors the heroes of the Greek Revolution. It's huge, covering almost 28 hectares. And in 1940, about 46,000 trees and bushes were planted. You're met at the gate by the huge equestrian statue of King Constantine I of Greece. And then entering the central pathway, just lined with statues. There are a couple of historic churches, a rose garden, a theater, 
and we especially enjoyed great coffee with the other locals at the small kiosk in the center. And on the day we visited, the spring bedding plant sale was on, so again, we hung out with the locals perusing all the plants. It was just a most enjoyable half day. It was a lovely day. Yeah, and finally, our airport driver told us that we had to climb Malika Betis Hill and especially stop halfway up at the Prasina Tenta Cafe or Green Cafe for coffee. We didn't know why. Now, the hill just happened to be about a five-minute walk from our hotel in the Kolonaki neighborhood. It's the highest point in central Athens, and you really do go for the views. Uh, there's a steep paved pathway, surprisingly lined with cactus, and you could take a cable car if you wanted. Sitting having coffee in the cafe, the view over the Acropolis and further afar, all the way to the Piraeus port that Bev talked about in the distance, is probably one of the pictures you will see in promotional ads for Athens. And at the top is the sweet little chapel of St. George. And built into the side of the hill is the 3,000-seat Lake Abedis Theatre. The hill is said to be one of the most romantic places in Athens. But, you know, we were wondering about the multitude of police at the foot of the hill. And they were just everywhere. Was it that dangerous? No. We learned later that they were guarding the personal residence of the president of Greece. It's that kind of neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So Bev, we packed a lot into five days, didn't we? We certainly did. I, as I went back over it over the last few days, I thought, oh my goodness, I didn't realize how much we had actually done while we were there. And I don't make bucket lists, but there's a lot of things left for a next time visit. And I'd like to explore some of those ancient sites in more depth with a little bit more knowledge, um, venture into some of the smaller neighborhoods, tour some of the 80 museums such as the National Museum of Contemporary Art or the War Museum, uh, maybe visit some of the 20 odd universities or colleges, visit the first cemetery, um, walk the Philippapau Hill and Park, do a real in-depth street art tour, um, visit that um, Microlamano fishing boat marina in Perius, catch a concert at the Acropolis, maybe explore an island or two. There's just so much more to see and do in Athens. So Bev, do you have any final impressions on Athens that you want to share? Well, I would say that Athens was a very interesting city. If you are an archaeological buff, this is your place to go. Mm -hmm. If you love modern cities with a variety of neighborhoods, Athens would be a good fit for you. Or if you are like us and enjoy seeing new cities, learning about a variety of cultures, eating great food, and experiencing how people live in different places, then I would definitely recommend a visit to Athens. Yeah, there's really something for everyone. and. Um... Even though it doesn't have the grandness of, you know, some of the imposing structures in some of those cities like Paris or Budapest or London, you know, you have to admit that Parthenon is awe-inspiring. Um, and like you said, ancient civilization, what a great um, place for history buffs. Personally, I love the vibe of this city. It's modern but hardworking, maybe somewhat a little gritty that's reinventing itself after you know, years of hard times to become more than just the Acropolis, but a center for arts and technology and business and social awareness. It really is a city of contrasts. 
Um, but, you know, regardless of what Athens becomes, that Parthenon is thousands of years old and it's not going anywhere. That's right. <laughs> On one last night note, you know, Bev, we haven't talked about the food in Athens mm-hmm. and we did speak quite a bit about it in Thessaloniki. Um, the same, the food in Athens did not disappoint. We found several restaurants that prided themselves on locally sourced fresh fruit and the quality was once again amazing, be it pasta, meat or seafood. And I highly recommend the salads both for the content and the design. Yes. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. I hope it piqued your interest about Athens and was maybe helpful in planning your visit. Please check back in a week or so and I hope to be podcasting from somewhere in Scandinavia. And Bev, I hope you join me again in a couple of months to talk about your upcoming trip to the Netherlands and Christmas markets. I certainly will, Deb. I look forward to it. Okay, thanks again and bye for now. Bye-bye.